It's Friday morning, Tripend Rasheeners, and it's time for the Friday View on this, the 7th of May. I'm your host, Ellie O'Byrne, and this is my co-host, JJ O'Donoghue. Good morning, everyone. And uh, we're here, we're back with our regular Tripe and Duchene roundup of some of the happenings of Cork City and County. This is going out to you courtesy of Substack's new audio function. So we're deciding for all of you audiophiles out there that we're going to do some of our work in audio in future. A reminder that we have a beautiful long read that goes out every Thursday evening. You should remember that the best way that you can support us Tripe and Rasheen, your local independent newsletter and food stuff. <laughs> the best way that you can support us is by signing up via email so that you get amazing, currently free content direct to your email inbox now on Thursday and Friday. And hopefully we're going to expand again soon. So JJ, just before we start, you know, the way we really, really love giving people proper credit for their work. Yes, accountability. Absolutely. You know, the song that we play in with. Know it very well. Uh, where's my jumper? For a minute there, I got brain freeze. <laughs> Sultans, the Sultans. I emailed Morty, the drummer from the Sultans of Ping, and asked him if we could use that. I like to always get permission mm. for stuff. And uh, he got back to me and he said that we can use it for free and he wishes us all the best with our brand new newsletter. Uh, A1 Ma- Morty, A1 Bay. Thanks. No, that's great. Oh, it's, a, it's a legendary tune from Cork. Do you want to hear something really strange about it as well? Mm. Do you know that line, eat natural foods baked twice daily? Yeah, yeah. So I grew up in a health food shop called Natural Foods and my mum had a little bakery above it. So whenever I listened to it and like when I was in my teens, people used to say that to me, say that line at me and be like, oh, that's your mum's shop. Could well be her. Did she bake twice daily? She sometimes used to bake twice daily. <laughs> and she was very popular with all the like art students and all the broke because it was like vegan food and it was really cheap. Is that and the one in town? In yeah, city? right in the city centre. Yeah, yeah. So I've sent another email and <laughs> I'll keep you updated on that vital piece of news. Fact checking. It's what we do. <laughs> Fact checking. <laughs> Could you be the inspiration for one of the greatest hits from Cork? Absolutely. I have a kind of um, a piece of news that I don't really know what to do with at the moment. So I thought we might as well throw it in here. That happens often in journalism, kind of looking for a home or an angle or where can you go to develop this. And this is an event centre update. Oh God. So, you know, the ongoing saga of the event centre. Yes. So I'm a big fan of freedom of information requests. Yes, she is. (laughs) I'm always saying it, aren't I? I've got a freedom of information request in. So I normally have a good few on the go at any one time. And I just got a return this week. So this is about the the Cork Events Centre. So Cork City Council executives have met with Live Nation. That's the big multinational events management company that's supposed to be the partner in mm. this project. Uh, they've met with them uh, this February and they also held two meetings with Live Nation during last year. So that was what I got in my return. So I had asked to see, very cheekily, to see all records of uh, Live Nation's meetings with Cork City Council executives. So, of course, they wouldn't give me, (laughs) they wouldn't give me the contents of those meetings. Yeah, because one of the things in Freedom of Information is that uh, one of the things that's protected is obviously what's considered commercially sensitive information. Mm. So I went ahead and appealed it. So I sent in an appeal that was based on the idea of the public interest. 
And I do think that's quite an interesting one with this because, you know, like the way Cork City Centre has been really, really hammered for business and stuff. So there's a lot of small businesses out there that are looking for positive news about what's going to happen for the city centre. And uh, Live Nation has had the worst time of it. So last year, obviously, they're a big, massive multinational. I think they are the biggest um, events management company in the world. But they lost seven billion through their COVID losses, you know, because think of all of that. I mean, every concert in the world and everything. So there's been a bit of a rumour going around that maybe they might not be up for pushing out into new territories and stuff like that anymore. So I was kind of using that as my public interest thing for for the FOI. Look, there's been some rumours going around amongst small businesses in Cork. Some people are saying they're not going to go ahead with it and stuff like that. You know, this has obviously been a multi-year saga since the turning of the sod, that famous photo opportunity. (laughs) So I just thought I might as well chance my arm, but I got um, a resounding no. I got a hilarious line, actually. So, you know, so basically with the way that works with FOI, we could do a whole podcast on FOI. Yeah, you could do a whole series. A whole series. Yeah, yeah. But the whole, the way that works is that when you get your decision, you can appeal it and yeah. the appeal goes to somebody within the same organisation. So I, I had appealed it and uh, what I got back was like, no, absolutely not. I've considered it. And then what did he say? He said, broader community interests must be considered as distinct from those of the applicant. So that's the end of that one. But we do know that Live Nation has had two meetings last year and one this year with Cork City Council. So as far as we know, it's still like the partnership is still effective. Or In the letter they sent me, it said these meetings took place primarily to discuss and negotiate a funding agreement for the proposed event centre. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're telling me that it's for funding, but some people do question Live Nation's position yeah. in it at the moment. I mean, I could understand that given the year that they've had or the past 18 months but, and like funding again you don't know the answer to this but that, does that mean like how they divvy up the costs of like hey how much are we going to put in as part of the city council and how much are you going to put in you'd imagine that Live Nation would be after um, whatever type of deal they could at this yeah, stage yeah. but also I mean I don't know what you think of the site itself the event cent- for the event centre the former Beamish and Crawford site there uh, just opposite the spot being Fawnock um, in one way, it's great because it's right in the middle of the town. But I think you were talking to me about like access. Like it depends how how big. What do you know much of the specs of it? Uh, I think they want a three thousand seater. I just think of you know when you see the load ins to the opera house, for yeah. example, and you see like an eighteen wheeler pulled up alongside the opera house. I just don't understand how they're going to put those in. Also, I, I, it's like three thousand people emerging from one place in the city centre. It's kind of unheard of not to say that couldn't happen but and I could see why it would be a boon for local businesses around there that would be dependent on um, the business of thousands of punters gathered a few times a week you know so that's that's all I have to say about that that's my update anyway is that apparently funding meeting last February so Cork City Council are not saying that Live Nation are pulling out at this stage So that's what I have. I believe that you have an acronym of the week. It comes um, via the City Council, who are a source of a lot of our news <laughs> and probably headaches <laughs> from us. Um, Hello, quick it's, City Council. <laughs> it's EPR, 
and it could n- nearly make um, an appearance in Line of Duty. Not that I've really watched any of it, but I hear it's very acronym heavy. Anyway, EPR is Emerging Preferred Route, and this is around the saga of their greenway that will start in the marina and extend all through Black Rock and Passage. Oh, the Lee to Sea, is it? Part of that, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, so that's been in the on social media quite a bit this week because there was two routes and one of them now is the emerging preferred route. I mean, it's just a path that they're going to pick, but it's like so jargon heavy. And in fairness, every Cork media outlet, they all picked it up and ran with emerging preferred route. When what they mean is it's the route that we're going to take, it's the path. And actually that path is causing a bit of controversy because they're going to go along Rutstown Road instead of on the estuary. So it's more of a roadway than a greenway. Um, that's not 100% confirmed, but more or less that will be the route. And there were some submissions that were looking a bit, um, well, who was this submission coming from? The Gardaí said it came not from like the Gardaí from Templemore, but from a local Garda station, and then there was a bit of pushback. Like, oh, was this that there was actually an objection that was sent from a Garda yeah. email address? Yes. Well, they're saying it was a submission, not an objection, and it was just to give more, um, more information about which route would be better. Or like, it was open to public consultation, but I mean, the vast majority of people wanted to go along the estuary, which makes sense. You know, the greenways normally prefer like to pick the more scenic route or idyllic route, especially keep it off the road, but like. I think it's that's not going to happen. Actually, city council are saying it won't happen. They're going to go along Rochestone Road. But anyway, because they have a, an EPR now. They have an EPR, and you got to use it. <laughs> <laughs> so Ellie, it was your turn this week for the long read. Thank you, because um, we do these all off our own back, and they take quite a bit of time. Uh, but it's the kind of journalism that we love doing, and we've covered a fair bit of ground. And this week, you took up um, our Ireland's public health system. I first started talking to Ben Chuan and Malcolm in February of this year. Okay. And uh, yeah, it's an it's an absolutely incredible story. So the bones of it is that Ben Chuan has been on a public waiting list for 943 days. To cut a long story short, I mean, I think the, the really important thing that comes out of it is that she was on that public list for 943 days. So she started getting sick uh, in 2017. Just these kind of, you know, like very debilitating, but kind of mysterious mm. and kind of worrying mm. types of symptoms. The types of things that would make you think that it was something brain related. Mm. So like dizziness, fainting, you know, nausea and balance, which can often be connected to ears and brain mm. and stuff like that as well. And she had an MRI scan and then this huge weight unfolded and she was only finally offered an appointment in February of this year. So on the 3rd of February, she was offered an appointment to go and see a consultant. But in the meantime, her husband, Malcolm, was just really curious about it because obviously they were told that there were COVID delays and that's the, you know, because COVID is the answer to every delay at, at this time. But um, she had been told that there were COVID delays and that the reason she couldn't be seen was that she wasn't on the urgent list and that the consultants were only seeing their urgent lists because of COVID-19 restrictions. So Malcolm took it upon himself to uh, phone up the private clinic of the same consultant. And he was he described the same symptoms that Benchuan has and he was offered an appointment 21 days later. Wow. 
So I think that just really started mm. to rankle with him, you know, mm. like that they the unfairness of that mm. and that two tier system that's in place that if you have cash in the claw, mm. like you can literally go in and pay a consultant 170 quid into their hand and get, and get seen mm. pretty much immediately. In the meantime, the background of that is the enormous lists that are coming out of the COVID restrictions because we have 400,000 regular screenings that haven't taken place. Yeah. So there's going to be this backlog for many years mm. and the role of consultants and the role of that dual public-private yeah, list yeah, yeah. is really important in how we look at that, I think. So I suppose one of the things that was really interesting to me about it is actually that the Slauncha Care negotiations, uh, the government's negotiations for new contracts for the hospital consultants under that actually started yesterday, okay. started on Thursday. So the Slauncha Care negotiations are going to be offering consultants 250,000 a year to stop working a dual public-private waiting list. So that would be their base salary, 250 grand, to work just on the public system. Yeah. Great if it works, though. I mean, well, I mean, it's still 250,000. I mean, you can still query, you know, I mean, obviously these are very highly skilled people, mm. you know, who sunk a lot of time and energy into developing their field of expertise, and that is amazing. But sometimes you wonder, you know, about salaries that size overall. Yeah, I mean, we could get into the whole salary issue. What is Robert Watt? Is the new HEC boss? Is he on nearly 300 grand? Yeah, <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Like, part of your story, it just shores up, like, in a personal way, the just the extremes in our two tier system. Like, other countries, many other countries operate a two tier system or a national health service, but we seem to, like, we struggled with it historically. And it's just not getting any, and it's frustrating because like thousands, I think everybody in Ireland relates to the to this story because we either have kids or grandparents on waiting lists and they're just, they're interminable almost. And it's it's frustrating and it's also people's health, you know, we're talking about or not dealing with like. And, and I think that everybody has experience of that as well. You know, I mean, I remember being told when I had to go for a scan for something really quite important a few years ago, I actually had a liver tumour, which turned out to be benign. Yeah. But at the time that I that at the time that I went and made that discovery, I didn't know that. So the my GP said to me, oh, we can put you on the list or you can go for the scan tomorrow if you have 150 quid. Yeah. And I didn't have 150 quid. And in that case, I mean, that's, you know, that's something that could turn out to be much more serious if you have to wait for six months yeah, than not. Exactly, yeah. You know, it's it's an enormous issue. And like, you know, really fair play to Benchuan and to Malcolm for wanting to highlight yes, it. Yes, yes. One of the things that's interesting is that Benchuan uh, feels very much like a guest in Ireland. She's from Thailand originally, um, culturally uh, very much focused on like politeness yeah. and being nice to people and complaining is just really not in her nature. So like I thought it was extremely kind of brave, but also honourable of yeah. her to want to do that. And Malcolm, I think, is really more motivated by really anger. Yeah, the unfairness of this. Yeah, mm. but also because he comes from England. So he they, he has the background of the NHS, yeah. he thinks you're supposed to have a functioning public healthcare system. I think we do as well. Like we, we all believe we should, but we don't have that system though, you know. It's so broken. It is. It's so incredibly broken. That yeah, you talk to any parent or any person and they just tell you about waiting lists. Like that's, 
we just live with them and then we, we put up with it, you know. One of the most amazing things that happened when I was doing, when I was trying to get to the bottom, because something that's really important, I think, as a journalist is always, you know, the source of the data. Like, where yeah, yeah. does that information come from and why are some things counted and some things not counted? So you can gain access to, I linked back to it in the article, but there's a, a very reliable resource online that gives you the tally of the public waiting lists. Yeah. And that's regularly updated and you yeah. see news stories in all different publications yeah, yeah, using course. that resource. But then I went looking for the, the figures of private waiting lists. Absolutely nothing. Yeah. So I phoned uh, CUH has uh, their private consultants clinic yeah. built on the public land in mm. CUH, which is an entirely different story, of course. But I phoned their clinic uh, naively thinking that I'd get through to someone who would talk to me. <laughs> find that file and tell you. <laughs> <laughs> and I spoke to the most amazingly rude and terse man who wouldn't tell me his name. He knew it was a media request and he wouldn't tell me his name. And then uh, I said, uh, so, you know, can I, who could I talk to who'd be able to yeah. tell me what the private waiting lists are like at the moment? And he said, no, nope, no one. You'd have to phone every single consultant secretary individually yourself, you know, and that's, yeah. and then I said, do you, and do you mind telling me, are all the consultants that work in the private clinic, do they all work in, in CUH as well? And he said, you're asking too many questions now. <laughs> and I was like a bit gobsmacked. I just went like, oh, really? Am I? Yeah part of your job as well. So then I slightly took a leaf out of Malcolm's book and I also said the same symptoms. So I phoned up somebody, a consultant in the private clinic and I was told four months. So that's not quite the 21 days that Malcolm was offered, but it's still an enormous discrepancy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Two years, seven months. months. And she hasn't stopped waiting yet, by the way, as well. Like, yeah, I'm sure there was other mm. follow up procedures as well. And yeah, well, she I mean, she had another round, so she had to have some kind of audiology tests mm. to check that it wasn't something with her ears. And so that took a, a further eight weeks. And then there's going to be another eight weeks. And mm. she's trying to get um, her appointment and another follow up appointment with an ear, nose and throat specialist. So that story's not going to end no. for that couple. Or for- or for Ireland yeah, or for Cork, yeah, yeah. you know, and we'll have to see the outcome of this launch of care negotiations. But bearing in mind that it was healthcare negotiations that saw the whole Leo Varadkar, um, yes, yes, you know, yeah. Leo the, I mean, these, when you think about the numbers, the figures, yeah, like, yeah. you know, I mean, consultants are paid like, you know, almost half a billion a year, you know, so they're large yeah. sums of money. And even then, I don't know, just like within the whole consultancy um, sphere, there's discrepancies between doctors who move to Ireland. I'm thinking especially from Southeast Asia, Pakistan and India. And then like they get a much unfairer deal, like, you know, con- constantly having to move to different parts of the country. They can't settle down and they just they have so many more barriers to cross. And it's, it's like it, it's, we bring them here. And then we make it harder for them as well. Like, you know, I think that's also something, another story. And that's being highlighted in the national media as well, I think. Isn't it great the way you start with one thing and then just all these further questions emerge? I don't think that I've had a single one of these long reads or that we've done for Tripe and Rasheen yet that hasn't just ended up expanding yeah. into more and more questions. You know, just absolutely huge. It's a, it, it is amazing. It's a great read though. And well done again on that. Um, 
So that went up uh, Thursday evening. Yeah. So that's still there. So anyone who has already followed with their <laughs> signed up via email uh, got that to their inbox. If you haven't, please remember if you're listening to this that you can sign up via your email address and you can get this long read and then the Friday Roundup and Podcast, the Friday View, direct to your email inbox. Also, please remember that you can really, really help us a lot because we're in our infancy and we really want to spread the word by uh, sharing if you really like something that we've done, by getting involved in a conversation with it, by using social media to do that. So we love to hear comment. And we've had some brilliant feedback yeah, from people. Actually, yeah, yeah. So keep yeah, and just tell your friends about Tripe and Machine and uh, we'd like to do a lot more of this, to be honest. Yeah, absolutely. So our we have a twi- Twitter handle, which is at Tidrasheen. And then on Instagram, we're on Tripe and Rasheen as well. So like you can get in touch by either of those Across methods. all our socials. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> hey, I have a few, uh, a little cork in numbers. So I just had a quick look at um, Cork City Council page and Cork County Council page. Cork City Councillors, um, how many female councillors, women councillors do you think we have out of 32, I believe it is? Is this a guessing game? Can yeah, yeah. It okay. Can be a game. Um, I'm gonna say, ten. Ten women. Yeah. No less. Eight. Six is the correct answer. Yeah. So twenty-five men, and uh, six women, and then for the county, it's a bit better the balance. There's more county councillors. Fifty-five, I believe. Okay. Fifty-five county councillors. And how many are women? How many do you think? Um. Um, I'd say that um, I'd say I'd say 19 Oh that was close Was Se- it? 17 Yes That was really good <laughs> Let's just check But none of this is actually really good But that was really good <laughs> It was in fairness There's a lot of other numbers you could have said <laughs> And be wrong um, 38 men 17 women So why have you been counting councillors what, What's counting that in counselors, aid of? I don't know I just I like looking at councillors Little pictures on the internet I'm looking at you <laughs> All of those thumbnails. Oh, and I have one more story that's not on. I put up a picture of it though. So last week, out in the green, there's a green outside our audio recording shade. And I just put up a little sign saying, kids play here, please pick up your dog poo. And they do, kids do play here, mine included. Because um, we in Ireland and in, look, we have in Cork, we have a poo problem, a dog poo problem. And in fairness, the majority of dog owners are good. It's just that select few. But anyway, it's, that sign, like so many people have looked at that sign and like even taken pictures of it. You've been on this since you wrote <laughs> The Dog Park Lady dog way park. Out right back at the start <laughs> of Tripe and Rasheen. And, and I thought it was amazing how much people really engage with it because it enrages people oh, so much. There's nothing worse than dog poo. Like. Yeah, it probably is. There is nothing worse. Like when you get it on your shoe, it just ruins your day. No, no, worse when you get it on your child. Yes. That's the really, really worst one, isn't it? Like yeah, yeah. on your kid into the house clothes off washing them oh god it's such a nightmare we do the old Japanese way in this household it's uh, shoes off on entrance and I must say I've come around to that way I even see like on telly when people go into the house and then they'll jump on the bed and it's all on TV obviously with shoes on I'm like oh my god who are they this is awful this is terrible but uh, that's not to take away from people shouldn't be pick up after pick up after your dogs basically Please. So, so that we're just ending up yeah. with a, a public health notice no, there from JJ. We've ended on a live line. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thank you all for listening to the Friday View. We'll be back here next week, same time, same place, which is currently 
JJ's shed. JJ's mum and dad's shed. <laughs> so remember, sign up via email, follow us on social media, join the conversation and help us do what we love doing best, which is local, independent, really good quality, in-depth, investigative sometimes hopefully more of that too proper proper that's a bit of a value judgment but proper (laughs) if you say so proper local journalism that's what tripe and machine is all about that's all from the friday view